Good morning. Today I have the lovely Charlie Gallagher with me. Hey Charlie, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Morning. It's been a while since I've been called lovely. I'll take that. Uh, my <laughs> name is Charlie Gallagher. Thank you for that. Um, and I'm the author of, I think, 16, maybe 17. I lose count now. Um, crime fiction, fiction thrillers. Uh, and I have a book out on Thursday, which is my a second in a series called Lethal Game. Uh, I mentioned they're all crime thrillers uh, and they sort of come from a career 12, 13 years that I had as a police officer. So um, that kind of inspired me to write and I'm fortunate that it's become something that I now do full time. Yep, and you want to do the whole promo bit now? Hold your book up and tell us what it's called? And <laughs> yes. Yeah, I did mention it briefly, but yeah, let's do a whole bit. Otherwise, I'll forget because you know what I'm like. Uh, the, the new book, there's, there's, it's called Lethal Game. And uh, I do rather love the cover. Uh, I didn't do that. I never do. The covers are always someone else's um, bit, but they do a fantastic job at, at Avon. Uh, so yeah, so Lethal Game, it's out on Thursday. It's currently 99p as a, as a pre-order for people that download their books. Uh, and it's available everywhere to pre-order. Um, and it's uh, probably the quickest paced thriller I've done. Uh, and, and I've done some pretty quick ones. So um, this one kind of starts with a bang and, and never lets up. Uh, and I don't plan my books or, or write sort of any structure before. I, I just tend to sort of leap in. So that's not an intentional thing. It just kind of, um, the pace just never dropped. So uh, I was exhausted finishing it. And some of the reviews have suggested that people are a little exhausted reading it. So it's been lovely. It's been good to see. Yeah, it's um, it's different <laughs> as well. <laughs> different. Well, that's good to hear. Good different, obviously. Yes, because there is good different and there is bad different, isn't there? So a good different, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. And it just does make me worry about, you know, the, the way you think, really. <laughs> yes, again, um, I, I get that quite a lot. But but this one seems to have... have have made that that bit resurface. People are always concerned, more concerned about people I live with than than me. But uh, my wife's reading it at the moment, actually, and she will occasionally tut. Um, she reads it, you know, sort of lasting at night, so she'll tut and have a glance over at me, little shake of the head. I don't know if that means she's enjoying it or or not, or if she's worried about herself or. I don't know. But um, but yeah, it was it's it's a bit bit different. I mean, the concept is that, that two people, um, well, the book starts with two people restrained uh, and separate from each other, and then they're forced to race each other to a, a telephone where they need to make a phone call. And the first person that makes the telephone um, is allowed to get on with their life, is able to get on with their life, and the person that loses isn't, uh, to put it nicely. Um, and that's, that's the kind of the concept that starts the book, and it's, it's the central concept. And of course, the rest of the book then explains the motivations and and the and uh, the reason why they were in that situation, and the game's going to play all over again as well. So um, it gets quite uh, well. It, like I said, the, the pace doesn't let up. It's a very quick book, and it was I thoroughly enjoyed writing it for that reason. I think, and it's very twisty and more interlinked than you realise as you carry on reading, which is quite cool. And one of the things about your books actually is they're very clever. Like you don't realise what's linked until later on. I think that's, that's very kind. <laughs> um, it's actually that there are there are an awful lot of twists in it, and it's quite difficult to talk about. This isn't the first time I've I've been asked to talk about it on a sort of promotional point of view, and 
to to talk about it without giving away um, bits of the twist. It's almost impossible. Like that's why I talk about the start, and then I sort of that's it. I leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, which is, um, I th- I'm sure it's a sign of a, hopefully a sign of a good thriller. But uh, it's the sort of book I like to read, and I've always had that as a as an attitude. You know, I write books that I'd like to read myself. I don't like reading it now because I've read it about ten or fifteen times along with the edit process. But, um, yeah. yeah, if I was picking it up from scratch, I think it would certainly be the sort of thing that, that I would want to read. I like twists and turns. I like never really knowing where it's going. Uh, I like books told from different points of view as well. So you get um, you get to know some things that other characters don't, and then that, that comes together and it's significant. Um, so, yeah, hopefully. And it's got a, a big ending as well, which I like. Um, I don't think it fizzles out. I think there's quite a big ending. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of it. Uh, and hopefully, I mean, early reviews have been have been really good. And if anyone's watching that's left review, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, Donna, you included, actually, I think you've left a review uh, that, you know, they mean the world to us. So um, people have been have been coming back to me direct, have been putting up reviews on NetGalley and they will on Amazon, I'm sure, from Thursday. And it, it, it just it not only is a massive shot in the arm, but obviously it's a big, um, a big boost for the for the launch when other people see those words. So really appreciate it. Yeah, I wrote my review and messaged you, didn't I? And said, you're so lovely and you write stuff like this. Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, well, I've got about an hour of love, lovely in me every day, you know, per day. So this is the hour and then I'm horrible for the rest of the day. So that's all. <laughs> yeah, I'll go away and write a bit more and I'll be horrible again. <laughs> um. One of my new fun questions that I like to ask, which will be interesting from an ex-policeman, is if you were to kill victims in a book, how would you kill them? If I was to kill victims? In a book. Oh, goodness me. I mean, I've come up with a fair amount of ways. <laughs> um, I really don't know. I mean, the I don't know if I've got a favourite. Sometimes people ask me, you know, have you, have you got a favourite method that you've that you've killed people? I don't know. I'm, because I'm such a lovely fella, I think it would have to be something a bit detached, you know. So you're talking um, running someone down in a car. God, this is a strange conversation, isn't it? People are going to report me. Uh, because you can sort of, you're a bit detached from what you're doing, if that makes sense. Whereas, you know, if you're if you're up close and personal with a knife or, or something like that, then then that, I don't think I'd be capable of doing that. So I don't know. I'd like to come up with something imaginative on the spot, but I saved them for my books. <laughs> so, yeah, I just run someone down. I'm good at cleaning cars as well. I know exactly what to do. Good to know. Noted. Yeah. <laughs> Some people I ask and they know the answer just like that. Like, okay, obviously yeah. never thought about that. Neither have you. <laughs> yeah, see, that, that's more worrying. That's more worrying. I mean, from a police officer's point of view, the best way to get away with murder um, and some people might be taking notes now, but it's, uh, it's to make it look like it wasn't a murder at all. Because once, once a, a death is investigated as suspicious and as a murder, the resources and um, everything around it, the forensic elements and the teams that are put on it, you don't really stand a chance. I mean, the, the resources are incredible and the investigation is massively complicated and very well done by very clever people, which is why I left. Um, but... Uh, if, you, if it looks like a suicide, and I know that's been done a number of times, it's quite a regular trope in, in murder, murder mystery books, but um, a suicide or an accident or something like that, that's the way to get away with it. So if ever you need to know. <laughs> also noted, thank you. Yeah, noted, yeah. <laughs> and I know the forensic stuff as well, so 
you know. Yes, of course. Yes, you're a student of the forensics, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, some of the forensic things. I'll tell you, what, the, the problem with forensics, which is probably not a problem, really, it's a good thing, is that it's so good, it's actually quite difficult these days to write a crime thriller that where, you know, people, you need people to get away with it for at least a little while, you know, and it's really, it's really difficult because forensics are incredible. I mean, if you were to plot out, if you were to plot a murder, which I, I do in a fictional world, not ever in factual world, I have to keep saying that, um, you know, you've really got to have massive considerations and, and even then you probably won't do enough. So sometimes there's a little bit of artistic license in, in what you write. Um, you know, actually you'd, you might have been caught a bit earlier. And I don't like look, making the police look incompetent for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> sometimes you kind of have to rely on that a little bit, but generally, but they're not in real life. That's, you know, some of the investigations are, are incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then on the back of that, if you were to be killed in, in a fictional world, who would you want to investigate your murder? Well, oh, blimey, well, I, I used to work with some detectives and I know that they're, you know, how good they are. So, I mean, you know, some of the Kent police major crime detectives would probably investigate because if it happened in Kent anyway, and I don't tend to stray out, because it's a dangerous world. Uh, so, yeah, I'm quite happy with, with Kent police detectives taking on that role. But, I mean, if you was looking at a fictional one, I don't know, really. Um, who was the one from Murder, she wrote? Jessica Fletcher. It only ever took her 45 minutes, didn't it? So I reckon, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or was it even half an hour, I think, Murder, she wrote? I can't yeah. remember. But she used to have it pretty much sewn up within 40 minutes. So let's have her. I'll have Jessica Fletcher. And you don't mess with Jessica Fletcher, do you? You know what I mean? She wasn't built uh, massive and she wasn't particularly a fighter, but she terrified me. I'd admit it. Sat in front of Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> I missed that. I'm sure it's on somewhere. One of oh, no doubt. Cable no channels. Doubt. I know Columbo's yeah. still on, so. Oh, really? Blimey, yeah. Yeah, no, I'd have Jessica Fletcher over Columbo any day, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not sure. Columbo like likes a bit of a show at the end. It's all about him, isn't it? You know what I mean? Whereas I think <laughs> I think Jessica Fletcher would just get there and say, you know, that's what happened, and then chuck him in jail. I'm out. I'm off down the pub. Do you think she goes to the pub? No, I reckon she's uh, sitting in a chair with a bottle, a glass of wine or something. Yeah, yeah. Just yes, contemplating think... life. Yeah, I think you're right. So her, I'll have I'll have her, please, and if when if and when it happens. Noted again. <laughs> and just as a random aside, um, Malcolm Hollandrake decided to interview me and he asked me how I would kill victims and I said I'd stab them a hundred times. A <laughs> hundred times? Yeah, I just Goodness wanted me. to be sure. Yeah. I mean, anything more than three or four is, is a waste, really. I mean, you, job's done. It doesn't quite get rid of the anger, does it? A hundred times? <laughs> I don't they'd know be, whether... <laughs> they'd be stabbed left, less if you pushed them through a combine harvester. That's incredible. That's a frenzy. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know where that came from and I don't think Malcolm was expecting that answer either and I don't think he's quite got over it even now <laughs> no I bet he hasn't a hundred times by me forensics have a field day with that yeah have to do it sort of different um strengths and stuff so they got confused and thought it's more than one person <laughs> Blimey, you really have thought about it <laughs> I haven't <laughs> it just came to my head but yeah <laughs> um 
so we don't give spoilers to your most recent book out of all the books you've written what's been the most fun scene and what's been the most difficult blimey uh fun scene i quite like the the end i mean right in the end is obvious because you know finally that you know the work's done so there's always a little bit of relief along with everything else but i wrote the end of um which one was it it was the final book so it'd be the deadly houses the final one in the maddie ives series and um when the investigation was was over and complete they the uh it was quite it was a very nasty final day everyone was was devastated and the inspector took him out onto the roof of custody uh and what he did then was put down some golf balls on the top of because custody is a flat roof in the nick that i used uh and all of the team took turns at, at hitting a golf ball out into the car park and the the target was the tag team van and um whoever got got it the the least distance in their strike buys the round. And that's true. That actually, that happened uh, in an investigation that I was part of. So it was, it was a pleasure to write. Um, at, that was at Chatham. It used to be a major crime hub uh, and they were hitting golf balls out into, into the, um, into the car park and a senior member of staff's car got hit. I can say it now cause I'm out. So it's fine. Um, but it was, it, and it was just, we'd had a bad day and it was, you know, for obvious reasons, it's things that can go on it can be quite horrific and, and it just dissipated in in 10-15 minutes of messing around with your mates and it kind of reminds you that that you know as bad as the world can be it can also be pretty amazing and it, all you need really is your mates around you uh so that i wrote that at the end of deadly houses and and um that finished that series and and i it might even be a reason why i haven't gone back to it yet i've had a seventh book planned for a little while but it just felt like sort of the perfect ending so I think that's probably the most fun. What was the other question? What was the other part? The most difficult. Blimey. I mean, they're all difficult. Um, I have to say, actually, the, uh, the beginning of Lethal Game, the, the opening, the prologue was, was difficult. I mean, it wasn't difficult to write, but at the same time, I really wanted it to, to be right, if that makes sense. So I must have done it four or five times, which is quite unusual for me. Normally, I'll, I'll get the bones down in the first draft, and then the second is is just, um, you know, changing subtle bits. But that was probably four or five rewrites completely. In fact, I deliberately um, you opened other documents and, and wrote it again from scratch, uh, which is the one that, that finally went in there, just because I'd had a few goes at it. I knew what I wanted to happen and, and how, but it wasn't quite frantic enough. But that opening need, needed to be completely frantic. Well, that was, that was at least the, the idea. And, I, you know, I wanted to leave a real impression. So, yeah, that took four or five goes. So that's probably, yeah, well, that is the most I've ever rewritten a scene. Um, so, yeah, I think that would probably be the most difficult. Well, it was worth it because it is frantic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw, um, I don't know if you've ever seen a film, 28 weeks later, I think it was, it was a zombie film. And there's a, a, an opening scene to that, which is uh, a family out in an isolated farm farmhouse and um, the zombies find them and they start attacking the house and the whole scene follows these this family trying to get out of their own house and get to a boat uh, and it's done to music and it's just incredible and I remember I couldn't how long that, that film was out it's probably a good 10 years ago I remember watching it at the cinema and by the time that opening sequence had finished which probably maybe four or five minutes I just my jaw was on the floor and I thought that is incredible what a scene you know it 
what a way to start a film. I mean, everyone, it was just, it just grabbed them by the intimate parts and, and you know, and, and there was no way you was going to look away even. Probably most of us didn't even blink in, in, the, in the cinema room. And I remember at the time thinking, I, I want an opening like that at some point. And I've never, never really had it. There was a, qu a quick one in, in Then She Ran, which was one of the earlier George Elms books. That was um, very frantic and similar in a way. But, um, but this one feels like my uh, 28 Weeks Later moment, or as close as I can get to it. So, um, yeah, I'm really pleased with it. And it is massively frantic. And, and I hope people, it grabs people by the intimate parts. It will. And then the, um, near the end as well, that uh, one chapter, I think, just like, you're like, I need to breathe at some point. <laughs> but you're just holding your breath because you're like, oh, my God, it's very tense. Yeah, the kind of the finale. Yeah, again, that. That isn't something I've had planned or isn't inspired from anyway. It was just like, like I said, as I was going through the book, it just kept speeding up. And then that last scene just, well, it just kind of made sense and fell out my face really. So that was one, pretty much one draft with just a few changes. Um, so yeah, I was pleased with that. I, I'm really pleased with the, with the way it ended. Sometimes you get, um, you can have amazing starts, but if the ending doesn't do it justice, then, you know, it's, it's not quite going to work as a complete project. And it also you can have a soggy middle, which is really quite common. Uh, and it, you, you do have to have parts of the book where you're giving backstories to characters or where you're progressing the story or where you're given procedure. And naturally it has to slow down a little. You know, there's nothing you can do about that. You can spread it out amongst the book and you can um, sandwich it between quicker scenes or, uh, you know, so use it to give people a, a, a chapter to catch their breath almost. Um, but it does have to happen. Um, so the way you structure the book is is um, very important when it comes to pace. And I always do a first draft and then I'll go back. First draft has, without considering pace, it doesn't matter to me at that point, just getting the story down. And then I'll change the order of the scenes around or, or shorten um, slow scenes if I have to or whatever. There's an, an, a number of techniques you can do. Um, but with this one, it was, like I said, it was just flat out. There doesn't seem to be any slow parts. Um, but it, I don't think it loses anything for it. Well, you got um, a glowing five-star review from Leslie Lloyd, and I think we both know yeah. that she doesn't give them out lightly. So she doesn't. I mean, I'm not that I'm counting, but I think that's three in a row now because she, the Deadly Houses that I talked about was when I think the first one that, that Leslie read of mine, and then she did the same for the Friend, which um, which was lovely, and then obviously fully for Game. So yeah, she's she doesn't give them out lightly, and and she's she's super critical in a in a very productive way, and these are the sort of people that. Um, I look forward to hearing, to, hearing from, and I, there are people that I will look out for, for their names again, next to reviews, uh, or if they come back to me direct, then obviously, um, yeah, I'll wait for their feedback and Leslie's among them, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah luckily it was five stars, otherwise that could have got awkward, couldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> she kept messaging me, have you read it yet? Have you read it yet? I'm like, no, I've got so many other books, but I will, I'm, I'm getting to it. Yeah, she's so supportive and she'll message me direct and say things like, have you done this? And it'll be a list of, of marketing things. And I'm like, no, because I'm not very good at it. So no, I haven't. But thanks. I do try. I, you know, I do everything that, I'm, that, that I can. But um, we had a chat briefly before, didn't we? And, and uh, Before recording and marketing isn't my thing. And I was talking to you about self-published authors and how much respect I have for, for those people because the marketing, the pushing the books, um, saying all the right things. I, I can't do it. I, I'm just not that wide that way. You know, I can make up stories all day long, but I need someone else to then do something with them. Otherwise they just um, flounder around really. Uh, it's really hard work, the other side of, of um, 
of being an author when you're self-published. Uh, and I, I feel very, very lucky that I don't have to, um, to do too much of that. I mean, clearly I still do my own social media bits and I have a mailing list and, and you know, speaking, spending a, a, a time speaking to people like you as much as I enjoy it, I wouldn't organise it unless you'd push me to. Because I'm just not, I'm just not very good at it. <laughs> um, what was I just going to ask you? Oh, um, when you're editing, what's your most overused word or phrase? Uh, now, definitely. I use the word now uh, a lot. Um, there's other ones that are, that are cut out. Uh, what was the phrase that I... I've become aware of. It will come to me in a minute. But I mean, there's lots of them. I will say that. Uh, and the difficult thing sometimes is, is trying to make everyone's voice sound a bit different because obviously I speak the way I speak. And, you know, if I'm trying to communicate something, I have a way of doing that. It comes very naturally. So what you'll try to, try to do is make sure that all your characters don't have that same way of communicating because then, you know, they all blend into one. So that can be quite difficult. And um, I concentrate a lot on dialogue which means I miss all the phrases that I repeat in stuff that isn't dialogue and just the prose. Uh, yeah, what was that? We will come to me. It's probably written down in my notepad here. Because then you just do a word search. And you know, when <laughs> I've finished a book and it's 110, 120,000 words. And then you think, right, this phrase, and you, you put, type it in a search thing and it comes up on the side, how many times it's, it's come up. And it comes up and it's like 270 results. And you're like, that's, uh, that's a lot. And it's, you know, it's quite a niche phrase or, or one that's not used too much. And I've completely forgotten. But, um, but yeah, if I put in the word now, it's in a million times. It's on every page. So I try and, and um, be aware of that. But I mean, I have a very, very good editing team. Um, Cara, who works with Avon at HarperCollins, she is now the editor that works with me and she's, she's superb. <clears throat> and they spot things that I'd never even considered and, and uh, repeated words and, and constantly used Phrases and words is one of those. Um, yeah, so always get a good editor. Always. Can't recommend that enough. <laughs> and I have to not disappoint Leslie and ask about the children's book that you started writing during lockdown. <laughs> yes, uh, she's just about there as a first draft. Um, I'm really pleased with that, actually. And, and we've written it in a way that it, I say we, myself and my daughter, we've written it in a way where um, I'd like it to become a series. I write series anyway. So that kind of comes a bit naturally to me, I think. But I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a complete story, but um, there's certainly a way for the flatulent aliens to come back uh, and appear again in a new adventure. We've really enjoyed it, me and, me and the daughter. It's been a lovely, a lovely experience, actually. I don't know what I'm going to do with it now. Um, it, needs, it needs editing and a little bit of uh, TLC from me and then from a professional, I'll certainly get that, uh, get a professional involved. But um, editing a children's book is a bit different, so... Uh, Cara won't be interested um, and I'm not sure that Avon will either because they're a, a, an imprint that do um, adult adult literature so obviously they're part of HarperCollins who have a child's bit so I'll, when there's something to show them I will and we'll see if anything comes from that but if not I don't know what I'll do with it. it it'll have to get out at some point so I'll, if I end up self-publishing it then I will for sure um, just because my daughter would, would love to see it as a book but yeah, it's going well, thank you. It's just about there as a first draft. What was your favourite first as an author? My favourite? First. First? Yeah, like your first, holding your first book or your first deal or your first right. review. <laughs> oh, blimey. 
Um, I, I think probably everyone says the same, but it's, it's the physical version of the book, I think. Um, and probably the one that came through from Avon, although Joffy did a great job of my um, physical books, um, they are predominantly an online download ebook publisher, uh, and they do very, very well at it. Uh, whereas Avon working with HarperCollins are more um, very much online as well, but they're more, they're more geared towards the physical product, which means that their covers, um, I think they're incredible. I, I love them to pieces. And, and um, yeah, when the friend came through uh, and it was from one of the top five, one of the big five publishers, sorry, and a physical book with my name on the front or my pseudonym, uh, I was beside myself, really. That was, that was a moment. I mean, there's been a number of moments. It's, it's been a wonderful career. Call it, can I call it career? I think I can, yeah. Um, three or four years. But uh, yeah, I think that was, that was a big moment. Yeah, 16 or 17 books, that's definitely a career. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's always been a hobby, you know, because it started as a hobby. I know I do it full time, so it's my job, and I, but I don't feel like I'm going to work. You know, I'm at the office now that I, um, I rent a, a, a desk space in a, in a communal, communal working area in, in Folkestone, a place called The Workshop, which is where I am now. And, um, you know, so I come here five days a week and I have a, a working day like I used to. And, and I think I need that sort of that, that structure to my, to my working day. Um, but it doesn't feel like I'm to work. It's, it's great. Oh, and I, I know I told you about the slide, but we weren't recording. So this, this is, let me show you. This building has a slide from the top, from the floor above to this one. So I don't know how I ever get any work done. <laughs> I'm mainly, mainly just sliding. That's because men are just big children. Absolutely. I, I have no, um, yeah, I, I'm not even going to defend myself on that. <laughs> Doesn't your uh, cat miss annoying you and climbing all over you while you're writing? <laughs> well, again, he's a big reason why I've had to move out uh, <laughs> into an office during the day. I mean, he's just a nightmare. And the problem is he's only getting bigger. He's just getting bigger. So now if he lays down on top of the lap laptop, I mean, there isn't a laptop anymore. It's just... You know, sometimes I'll be looking for it. Where's the laptop? And of course, he's because it gets nice and warm. You know, if I set the lid down to make a cup of tea or um, make some lunch or whatever, I come back and there's just this this great big oversized ginger thing laying on top of it. He's wonderful. I love him to pieces, but just don't tell the wife because I pretend to hate him. <laughs> <laughs> Secretly, I, I think he's great. And that's enough of a bad thing. They always pretend they hate cats and actually they just don't. <laughs> he just annoys me all day. So I really should. And because it was her idea and it turns out to be a good one. And I, I don't want that. Um, yeah, I have to pretend to dislike it. And the Spaniel was my idea. And that's turned out to probably be a bad one because he's, you know, he's a nightmare. I love him to pieces, uh, but he's got a clumsy bum. Um, so, yeah, of the two animals, I think she's probably winning. Yeah, that, that's annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. um, I think I've asked you before, but what do you enjoy doing when you're not writing, especially now we're out of lockdown, actually? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, obviously it takes up a lot of my time, but when I'm not writing, I mean, I, I like the, the sporty side of things. I play a bit of football and I like riding me. me um, I've got a road bike, so I'm one of those people in Lycra that you're swearing at. When you're being held up in a car, I like doing all that uh, and, and the gym as well and walking the Spaniel, obviously, because he, he's a, a big bundle of energy and obviously spending time with the family. The, the, one of the, well, the best thing about 
the the change of career is that I'm no longer a shift worker. Um, shift work is is uh, difficult for a number a number of reasons, not just you're not there at, at, at sort of times when you would be having family time normally, so in the evenings or you know all day Sunday whatever, but when you are there, you're constantly exhausted. You know, working shifts is is hard. It's I wouldn't recommend it uh, if you don't have to. Um, so yeah, now I get to tonight. We've got parents evening. Um, and we've got a carol service that I've just been made aware of coming up next month. So, I'll, you know, and I'll be able to go to all of these things and, and nativity plays and I don't miss a thing now, which is, is, is wonderful. So, uh, yeah, that's become, that's been real positive. Um, so Lethal Game was book two in the series. Mm. So have you got book three planned already? Book three is written. It's with the, mm. yeah, it's, in, it's with the editor. Um, so that's going to go through a structural edit now and then it will come back with lots of red pen all over it. But uh, that's done and I'm really excited about book three. Um, it felt like a natural follow on. So I didn't stop. I, I don't generally stop anyway. Once I finish one, I generally bowl on to the next. Uh, and book three, before I'd finished it, I'd already started four because, again, I had I have, feel like I've got a real because starting a, a series is very, very difficult. But once you've you started it and you get to know you, your characters sort of by um, one or two books in. And I'm at that point now where I can, um, I've got a central concept and then I, the characters I know will, will fit in quite naturally. So I'd already bowled onto book four, which is what I'm doing now. I'm 20,000 words into the fourth, trying to get ahead so that when the book three comes back for its edit process, that will stop me dead. So I'll go back to that. Um, but four is already taking shape. It's very different to the other three. So, um, I'm a little concerned already that it's too different, but it's a strong idea, I think. So um, we'll see what the editors say about that. But uh, but yeah, so three's done. Short, long, that was a very short question with a very long answer that didn't need to be at all. It's done. Oh, that's cool. You carry on. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know, are you going to carry on after book four with this series? I think so. I mean, I've written two series before and they were six books and seven books respectively. And, and they both finished at the point where they felt like they were finished, if, if that makes sense. They, they kind of did full circle, or at least the main character's protagonist come full circle. So I stopped. I think the same will happen with this series at some point. But um, all the while I've got... Uh, what I'm doing a little bit different this time around is, is very much drip feeding the characters, the main characters. So I'm building characters that, you know, you learn a little bit of their backstory every time, uh, as I've done before, but this time a little bit slower. So um, for example, before I mentioned it's quite different, the police don't really feature at all at the moment, which will need to change. I mean, they are in there, but uh, at the moment they're not really featuring. So you won't get to learn too much more about them. But by that point, book three, for example, um, there's a lot of backstory, a lot of, of uh, character building um, of, of the main characters and some of the some of the back characters. That's quite an Eileen story, actually, who's a character that I introduced in Leaf of Game and, and fell in love with. So she features quite heavily in, in the third. So um, again, a short question with a mumbling long reply, but um, I don't know is the honest answer. And obviously that's down to uh, the publisher as well. If they keep publishing it as a series, then I think I'll keep putting books out. It's, it's been a very pleasurable experience working with them. Uh, and all the while we both think the books are the quality that they should be, I think we'll keep going. Um, I'm really enjoying it, which is what matters. Yes, that's good to know. It does help. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> well, I don't think I have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you that you want to tell us. 
No, not at all. I think I've I've shown myself up as a cold-hearted serial killer. I think I've um, you know got everyone's a little bit concerned about that. Hopefully, the wife doesn't watch this one back, uh, or any of her family, or the police. Apart from that, it's gone very very well. <laughs> Thanks very much as ever for for taking the time to fit me in. Because um, obviously, the book being out this week, this is this is great timing for me. And hopefully, someone will watch this and be intrigued and and. Um, Obviously, with Amazon, you can download a sample, can't you? Which I think will cover that prologue. So uh, without paying anything, which is always my favourite price. Although, to be honest, 99p is an absolute steal for that book. So Yeah, I agree. I mean, the pricing is a, a whole different conversation. I'm, I don't fix the pricing. Uh, and also, I've, I, I hear from, um, I've got people that, that read the books all over the world, which is a lovely thing, of course, but it is priced differently. And that's, that's not my doing either. So if someone's watching from Australia, for example, they, I've, some have been in contact, it's I think around six or $7 in Australia as a, as a download, which is um, you know, considerably more than it is in the UK. So I, genuinely, I am genuinely sorry about that. It isn't my decision. It isn't even HarperCollins. They have their own Australian arm um, and they, they set their books, they price their books accordingly. So um, I'm sure there's a reason behind that, but I don't know what it is personally, but um, it's still worth it. I would say that. <laughs> so before we go, do you just want to hold your book up again and remind everyone what Ooh. it looks like? Yes, let's do that. So this one, this one is Lethal Game. Uh, it's a wonderful cover and hopefully you'll enjoy the contents just as much. Thanks again for taking the time. Really appreciate it. No problem. <laughs>